Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. In this episode 41, we're covering chapters 20, 21, and 22 from uh, part 2 Phoenix of book 2 Adulthood Rights of the Xenogenesis trilogy by Octavia Butler. My name is Richard Acton, and I'm joined as always by my co host, Michael Glinka. Hi, everyone. How are you doing, Richard? Pretty good, Michael. Yeah, we were just uh, uh, chatting in the free sh- in the sort of pre-show uh, here, and um, uh, we we had we decided to do a little kind of content corner segment in the way we chatted about um, Violet Evergarden a little while back uh, before we get into the the main body of the episode. Uh, so, uh, Michael, you you hinted you had something uh, you wanted yeah. to share before. So I recently found out there's this a, mm-hmm. a genus of a frog called Mini. And uh, the scientists uh, named, found three frogs, in fact, from that same uh, genus and three different species. And they called them as following. Miniature, mini skill, and mini mum. <laughs> the paper is from 2019 uh, that they were describing okay. those, those, those species. But I swear... If it isn't the laziest uh. and the most po- on-point naming, it's just... Mwah. It's Chef's like Drosophila geneticists all over again. Basically, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how, uh. how many other words that stands with meaning are there in the English dictionary. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, honestly... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So from the people who brought you genes called Sonic Hedgehog. Yeah, and, honestly. Uh, <laughs> same level, same level of stuff. Uh, that's always funny. <laughs> yeah, so I just I, I was just sitting on this for a whole week because I thought I need to remember to say this on the on the podcast because my god, it's just so good. Like whoever like honestly that the I need to find the um uh, I don't remember the author, the, the first author, apologies for that, but yeah, yeah. it's just, yeah. I, I honestly we'll it thought it was notes. a joke, because I only, I firstly found it some on Reddit, I think. As a, it like does a, seem like a like an onion thing, right? Yeah, it really does, but like, I I generally went, and they actually gave the references, and I looked for it, and they, it's, it's genuine, it's on, it was based on Wikipedia, and the Wikipedia gives you the references, and you can check the web, uh, the article, because it's open access, so it's just... Uh, wonderful <laughs> I know it's just I'm looking forward to other like I generally want to find, uh, see if the like there's any other species of the same genus the, of the frog and what they're gonna come up with okay okay very nice <laughs> <laughs> right um, so a couple of other things on this point um, a brief update on, on Richard enters the, the anime rabbit hole Oh yes, um, go on. So, so I I watched um, a, an interesting anime, <laughs> a very funny one that I enjoyed rather a lot called the Saga of Tanya the Evil. Yeah, the, the, it's, uh, I would say yes. The emphasis on interesting. <laughs> yes, it's a bit of an unusual one, but it's kind of like a a weird perverse inverse version of Violet Evergarden in in some ways. <laughs> yeah, if you imagine like basically uh, like the evil version of Violet Evergarden, then yes. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, if, if Violet was like an evil person instead of a good person being redeemed <laughs> in some ways. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and then there's um, uh, the, uh, another thing I watched in that space was actually uh, A Place Further Than the Universe. Okay. Which um, is about a, a, a group of girls kind of going to the Antarctic. 
but it's a um, it's a it's a, an interesting one, kind of a, a bit of a meditation on friendship loss, mm-hmm. um, personal growth, um, kind of slice of life, but but very uh, uh, very good. Well done. I enjoyed that. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. That's that's yeah. good. So that's that's the update on my like anime stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of other things that I just wanted to put in here. Uh, so, um, on the sci-fi nerd front, uh, I found out that Apple TV is adapting um, the Isaac Asimov books Foundation. Okay. Which is a challenging thing to adapt, but from what I've seen so far, they seem to be doing an, a, a, a pretty good job. Like they, I mean, Apple has a ridiculous budget. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. So at the very least, it's very visually good. Um, was a similar thing. Uh, the um, their uh, their other project that was good and interesting in the sci-fi, well, not kind of, kind of alternate history space, was mm-hmm. the um, for all mankind, right. uh, which is an alternate history of the Apollo program uh, where the Russians get there first. Different unfolding as a result, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, again, like excellent production values on that. Quite good as well in in other aspects. And I think actually soon ish, um, the Dune is coming out now on HBO. Or oh, it has already. Uh, I think June June's already out, right? I is think. it? Yeah, uh, it's been in theaters and stuff now, right? I think. Right, so I'm pretty sure. Uh, something to look forward to, because but it's gonna be just a movie, right? It's not TV series, just a movie. Am I correct? Just a movie, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's in two parts. Yeah. Um. So something to really look forward. Hopefully, uh, I need to I need to see if we can actually if I can watch it because. Hmm. To be fair. I've read the Dune, the first book, okay, mm-hmm. and it's an interesting concept. I really, in a way, I really enjoyed it because my, as a kid, I remember my father played the um, RTS Emperor Battle for Dune game mm-hmm. uh, all the time, and I remember him always playing uh, it and always getting stuck on the last mission because it's f- the, like the the difficulty level spike okay. is just crazy. Mm. Um, okay. But like. I remember, uh, and I was just like, oh, this is interesting. I like the sort of the design and different characters and, you know, all those just like um, aliens. And then mm. read the book. The book was, the first one book was, it was good, right? Although I need to say that the main protagonist is sometimes overpowered. He's just a bit too perfect sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm. well, I mean, I think... Uh... Um, Frank Herbert said he kind of uh, Paul is written almost as a parody of the hum- of the hero's journey. Yeah. In, in in some sense, there's an interesting analysis of Dune that uh, like if you if you read it as a as a young kid mm-hmm. uh, and you didn't kind of like think about it in the uh, like political perspective and all the rest of it, there's an interesting analysis of it on the um, the Our Opinions Are Correct podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the hosts of which is Annalie Newitz, the author of Autonomous, another really interesting science fiction book. Awesome. Um, and various other things. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's a recommend that for a, 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 a different perspective <laughs> on, on, on the, the politics of Dune. So, but that's the thing, like the, the politics, the whole idea, you know, is pretty mm. interesting. But I, did, I didn't read the rest of the books. Um, I only because I know there's several of them. I only sort of read the mm. premise and the plot lines on Wiki, and I need to say it gets really above and beyond a lot of like the. It, it just really changes its concept, right? Like it's it goes really. I mean, I think in in terms of, um, I mean, I never really got deeply into the sequels. I think I kind of read a 
I think I read the first one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really remember much about them. I, I, I remember them. I don't think them. Uh, I think of them as being as as narratively uh, interesting. Yeah. As the um, the first book, right? That had an excellent kind of structure to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like ironically, as a parody of the hero's journey, yeah. <laughs> it had a good hero's journey structure in the subsequent ones, less so. Um, but the uh, uh, it, it's um. I think you get a clearer perspective of, of what the author may have been like trying to do with some of the the, mm-hmm. uh, the politics, uh, the political stuff becomes yeah. more overt in, in the the subsequent yeah. books. Yeah, yeah, uh, which may also be why they're less good in some ways. <laughs> I I think <laughs> so that might be keeping the case. it subtle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. So yeah, I I just thought that oh, this is coming out, and of course the recent uh, hype on Squid Games uh as well so uh, mm-hmm. um yes. only just uh, started watching it only you can i mm-hmm. just only watched the first episode so we still have to uh okay okay there we go. there's a uh, i saw an excellent <laughs> comedy comedy um uh comparison it was it was a list of eight things and it was uh like is this squid game or an academic career <laughs> Uh, yeah, I should think about it. can share it with you. Yeah, it's it sounds like <laughs> it's probably very close to uh, reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, perhaps we should uh, start wrap on. up this little um, yes content corner section uh, and move on to the uh, the main body of our uh, podcast for today. Should we do your predictions for chapter twenty? Sure. So my prediction was that Akin will spend some time in the salvage side, trying to learn more about the humans, obviously, because he realized um, that he has to become the bridge between the Onkali and the humans, right? So he needs to understand the humans to tell Onkali about them, and then being an Onkali to uh, be able to explain that to humans. So mm-hmm. some time passing, I hit that, I guess. Yep, yeah, you are, I think, on on the nail with that prediction, actually, because we had the, uh, effectively, a time skip of a year with a kind of very brief um, point from, from, uh, described from that time frame. Yeah. Um, And the emphasis was on, on Akin uh, learning from humans. Yep. uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, let's let's just, let's start with the chapter, then. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the chapter 20 starts with, Basically, as I predicted, Akin staying at the salvage site for over a year. Um, he would spend time in the hills watching the salvaging taking place and sometimes helping if the salvagers let him. One of the men made him clean and polish the items they dug out. Jewelry, figurines, bottles, jars, etc. Um, it was a work to keep an eye on him, but it also allowed to him to taste everything he cleaned. Often he found human parts inside of these containers, bits of hair, skin, nail, that he would memorize the genetic patterns that he could then share, for example, with an Oloi, like Nikanj, uh, whenever he has the chance next time to maybe recreate those humans. Can you imagine? Like, you know, you find a, fo- a fossilized nail and, you know, an Onkali just tastes it and is like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it, and then just recreates the same human from i don't know like several centuries ago obviously not this with the memories but just mm-hmm. i mean not, not quite fossilized right because otherwise it would have been completely replaced in some sense but yeah some some preserved version yeah. of it um which <clears throat> i mean like dna is stable and all but it's not completely stable right uh yeah it, it, it's it's 
it degrades over time, so you're going to end up with uh, fragmentary pieces of it. And actually, a- this uh, I suppose it uh, it might be similar to the. Um, uh, so there are currently projects to kind of try and do the the whole um, like Jurassic Park type premise thing, right? Where you take some DNA from some preserved uh, historical uh, animal mm-hmm. and you try and bring it back. Um, I think well, there's a project that got reasonably well funded to try and do this with the mammoth. Um, ah, yes, but yes. they're effectively going to have to use uh, an elephant and some mammoth DNA. But what they end up having to do is kind of read uh, the chunks of DNA that they can mm-hmm. and use a, re- a related animal from from now uh, and, and like use that as kind of a scaffold to try yeah. and re-figure out what the genome would look like roughly. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky uh proposition and and you you likely wouldn't get um you know a in a, in, a, in a real sense like an actual representative member of the species um plus there's a whole bunch of stuff with uh you know are these variants that you're seeing actually just like damage or, or is it yeah. actually a uh, but the thing is um, um they mm-hmm. we found quite well preserved in eyes mammoth um bodies mm-hmm. right so yeah. Technically, I mean, if if you have enough material, you sh- there should yeah, be. Yeah. And I know that you have to use elephants, but also for like um, rearing the, the the mammoth, right? Because they have to have mm-hmm. uh, um, implant the embryo into the. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we can't like artificially gestate them yet. We don't yeah. have the technology for that. So. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, with with enough tissue samples, you could probably put together a half decent assembly. Yeah. But yeah, with like a few cells from a from bottle or something, that would be uh, pretty tricky hard. to, to yeah. put the genome back together. But uh, in the case of humans, right, it's not actually a different species; it's the same species. So what you're capturing is the individual level variation from the fragments and aligning them to a known scaffold genome. Yeah. So it's a bit less a bit less difficult a problem. Mm-hmm. Right. So one time. Um going back to the chapter, one time Sabina, a lady who conspired with Nessie about cutting off Amas and Shkak tentacles, caught him tasting inside of a small bottle. She tried to get away from him, but luckily before she could tear Akin's tongue out, he managed to dodge her. Uh, <laughs> dodge, duck, dip, dive and dodge, as, uh, as the <laughs> good old saying says. Um, Akin wanted her to go with Nessie's team, but she never did. He believed that it might be because of him, to keep an eye on him, basically. Um, but she seemed to be more open than Nessie, uh, more intelligent, as I think that Akin describes her, willing to learn, and Akin planned to use that to his advantage. Akin asked her about the bottle. It was a perfume, basically. It's all, all an old bottle of perfume. And um, as they were having conversation, Akin offered her an explanation on to why he needs to put things in his mouth. He explained to her that he needs to do it so that he can understand it. Um, basically, it's like for us seeing things, he, it's another sense for him that he, otherwise he would mm-hmm. be like, as I think he described as being a cripple and that he's too old to get poisoned. Yeah, he, he, uh, he compares it to, to having been like uh, blindfolded and, yes. and, um, and unable to, to like hear or smell or something. Yeah. Uh, and, and not uh, like he needs a, uh, Go mad if he couldn't be allowed to to use his uh, the senses he had available to him. Is kind of how he uh, yeah how he puts it. And as he said, he's too old to get poisoned because either the body would remove the poison or contain it in a flesh sack, as he as he calls it. 
Mm, yeah, this is an an interesting point actually from from uh, last week where we talked about yes. the alcohol thing. I think there was a similar yeah, kind of proposition there. Yeah. There's this uh, uh, this kind of flesh sack thing, and we we talked a little bit before about um, like the the process by which I think it was Ahajus was was giving birth. Yes, uh, where there, there's like there's no birth canal per se in the Arancari. They, they, they just kind of make a, a hole. <laughs> yeah, so it seems like uh, they they're able to control their tissue in really like almost a golem like um, ability that you can really do whatever mold in any way possible. But like when you think about it, mm. if you have a concentration like let's say of alcohol, let's say seventy percent alcohol, and you put it in the like the, the tissue sac, right? Because of the osmosis, like the water would seep in there. Well, I suppose it depends what you've got in the the lining, right? I mean, if you can construct like a a, a relatively kind of tough lipid lining that will repel the contents well, then yeah, it has uh, to be very. Because I was thinking, like, if it's is it control of just like we have some cells in there, just wrap it around the temporarily in those cells. But then, you know, like if anything, there has to be homeostasis. So would it also be a problem? Like, you know, I mean, like, or do you just are so in control I mean, I, that you can do anything with your body? Hmm. Like, assuming that you have this kind of uh, extraordinary, like, morphological flexibility, it's almost like bud off a section of your stomach and just like, uh, you know, excrete that whole package right good rid of it yes yeah i was like i ate this thing it's not agreeing with me i'll just you know like pinch off this whole subsection of my stomach grow back a new one and then that can just you know like come out my side (laughs) i didn't like it so i suppose the main the main thing might be uh you'd probably have to expel a bunch of other stuff with it um because sorting or, or like filtering out the stuff that you brought in from stuff that you already have would require a uh you know a fairly complex like chemical process yes. with you know something that's governed with 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 membranes and differential uh access to, to different layers right mm-hmm. you need a something that can perform a filtration function um but uh yeah it, having a like an emergency eject button on the stomach that doesn't involve actually throwing up but instead is just like okay we'll take a whole sack and just remove it (laughs) it's a bit of a weird way to do it but okay so yeah i just yeah it's interesting and we've been like hypothesizing about this but it seems that like don kali have a way bigger control uh of their bodies than than we are anticipating so Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting actually the um developmentally uh, um that's uh, a, a very interesting feature right because in um certainly in uh, like mammalian development mm-hmm. we have a fairly you know fixed body plan right we we grow um a particular like pattern of of structures in order and and some of the information necessary to kind of uh like recapitulate that structure is is not even necessarily like retained yep. in the adult structure so um so for example like um salamanders and axolotls and things like that if you cut off a limb they kind of like they know where to regrow it from yes right so the 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 interesting part of it is that you know like the severed end of an arm like has to know where it is on the arm Mm -hmm. in order for the correct piece of the arm to grow back yes you see what i mean right so instead of uh um 
like i mean so i mean if you cut off my arm for example like above the elbow like the bit above the elbow needs to know that it was the bit above the elbow in order to regrow an elbow yeah yeah uh, and, uh, and that's what's kind of uh, like we, we know that there are uh, like chemical cues that effectively encode that information about position in um there are must be there must be like um, chemical gradients, right, to, to indicate like for example, yeah, hands yeah. has this chemical gradient, cytokines that basically mm. you know, and and that's that's kind of like when we develop, that's how it uh, how the patterning is done. Right? Yes. You have a, a gradient of, of multiple uh, chemical. So it can sometimes be just one, and it can be other factors as well. But you can also think of it uh, as like gradients of intersecting chemicals, right? So a um, if you have a I don't know if you think about the the arm again it's not quite this analogy but right you have a like up at the top you'd have one end of the gradient where mm -hmm. there's a high concentration of this chemical the other end you'd have a low concentration so like near the shoulder it's high near the wrist it's low and then you'd position an elbow like um in the right spot because uh like that's the midpoint of the gradient maybe you have another gradient going the other way that intersects and gives you a like it's it's middle concentration of this chemical and middle concentration of this chemical that gives you the right yeah. spot. Right? It doesn't quite work that way for arms, but like for structuring stuff in uh, uh, developmental biology, you have a, a very analogous pattern, right? Yeah. So features get placed because they're at a particular chemical concentration. Um, and uh, the thing is, though, those gradients are not necessarily retained in the adult version of the organism. So they have to be there for the development to take place, but we don't necessarily necess have to keep them, right? Uh, yes, because we correct. don't necessarily need that information uh, once it's already in place, which makes re I mean, we, we don't know to, to what degree that information is retained, uh, and we don't know what all of the molecules are that re represent all those things mm -hmm. to some degree. Like There's still a lot of unknowns in, in developmental biology. People are working on, on these interesting questions and trying to figure out how the how the axolotls and stuff can regrow those limbs because it, maybe there's some stuff in, in us that we can uh, apply that to and, and learn <laughs> how to make limbs regrow. I don't know. But uh, you know, maybe the information is just uh, not retained in us developmentally. Uh, so the for, for the Oankali to be that like morphologically flexible, they have to kind of... Uh, um, they have to have uh, like patterns for creating structures in their bodies that are not uh, like fixed as a part of a developmental program and be able to manipulate uh, them to on hand. Yeah, yeah. I think mm -hmm. it's Have if I remember if you remember a while back uh, in during like when we were doing PhDs um, when I presented a paper um, on the, the the little worm like. Uh, ah, yes, the flatworm thing. Yeah, yeah, the little flatworm, and basically, when you cut its heads off, it can regrow the rest of its body. And basically, mm. it was related to epigenetics of some prime factors involved in activating the rest of the sort of repair or the developmental um, cues. So it could be something mm. really that basically they have like a trigger that is that those things are suppressed, and then when the time comes, they just activate them and. To um to guide the cytokines to again to develop the uh, whatever they need to be developed, right? Mm -hmm. You'd have to have some process effectively for having uh, uh, those kind of cascades under under like nervous control yeah. um, to be able to do it uh, in a like a volitional way and in a sensible like time frame. So the 
uh, in the same way that, say, uh, you know, certain conditions in the environment will trigger an adrenaline rush, right? Yes. It's like a hormonal release. You can get an, an analogous process for, uh, for you know, something that will cause you to reshape some part of your body. <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, if you imagine, like, being an oncology, right, and um, mm-hmm. if you wanted to do it in a simpler way or more and there's like uh, yeah in a simple way i would say like you know look at those um iguanas that spit like that that shoot blood out of their eyes like you could just to have mm-hmm. the same like some somebody you know you've drunk alcohol and doesn't like it, shoot it out of your eye and then you can just yeah yeah i mean the, the one of the main problems with this whole uh, process is that it's like in basically all organisms that developmental type stuff is is pretty slow yeah right it, it's got a, it's there's a lot of cell replication that's got to take place to to um, grow and reshape the tissue and there are finite uh like there's only so fast you can do that right because there's a, there's only so fast the the dna polymerase can move along the dna to make new copies of the genome and, and that's and the, the thing right like hard bottlenecks and that, yeah that's the thing like the, the the speed of the um of the cells replicating and being able to like almost in like basically in real time to um surround your tissue like it has to be there has to be multiple mechanisms involved like for example imagine like as you said you drink alcohol and you isolate part of your stomach, right? So you have to have muscles that you can contract, consciously contract yeah. to, for example, shut down that particular part of stomach. And then let's say, then if you can contract it, then you're closing the lumen so that the amount of cells that you have to replicate and close that those gaps is not that much, mm-hmm. right? And then, for example, let's say you can force the cells to detail like I go I undergo apoptosis to detach that part of st- stomach, and then mm. you know. So in a way, if you, you could think I about suppose. it, you could probably develop something like this. But you'd have to have mm. really pre-existing mechanism in the system to like really be able to do it in real time. If we are talking about like human bodies, right? Because yeah, I, mean, I think it would have to be. Uh, you'd have to rely less on cell replication because that really would be a relatively hard time bottle. Yeah, uh, it has to. So you'd have to do more, like you know, having s- tissues like de-differentiate and re-differentiate into different tissue types. Uh, much more kind of plasticity there. Yeah. Uh, so which, um, yeah. So it has to be. I think there were more and more. It's more likely that they will have some pre-existing, like, con, like body would the body would have pre-existing um, systems in place in case things like this happen. You know, like you know, if if you're a smart, if you're a being that can control the genetics of your body, you could come up like, oh, okay, if that's the case, if like, you know, think about the future, like possible scenarios, mm. you could technically engineer things. Uh, in it, of course, I'm talking about the level of understanding that Onkali have. Hmm. Actually, come to think of it, you could. Um, so, if it's it's very easy for you to de-differentiate your cells and re-differentiate them into something else, and have that be like under fight, quite fine control, then hmm, I'm just trying to think how that might fit in with the whole cancer interest. Listen, thing. So I maybe. just had an idea. You could make yourself a uh, mini mm-hmm. uh, mini me. Uh, of yourself just basically you know a little tiny clone copy all the memories of that mm. mini uh, of yourself in the clone because i mean on kali khan mm. uh and then you just like send him on little missions like go mini me 
<laughs> and then at the end, you end up with Pokemon bottles of little mini me's. <laughs> little mini August, yeah. Uh, well, but yeah, it, I just uh, it it does it kind of fits relatively well with their ability to um, like prevent cancerous growths yes. because they have this kind of like fine control over the cell differentiation or something like yeah. that. Uh, but maybe that's also uh, a, a, like maybe they have a difficulty with the. Uh, but the thing is cell replication. But then, uh, no, but the thing is, well, Richard, so, as well, uh, they were mentioning earlier mm-hmm. about the like, it, like how fascinating cancer for them was when they came to you know encounter humans the first time because mm-hmm. they had so much potential. So maybe Don Kali mm-hmm. didn't have that like. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just lack of um, Octavia Butler's knowledge about uh, you know cell um stem cells and stuff like that at the time and the, she just magically their bodies were able to control their cells to to modify and the cancer was at the time like the big sort of oh maybe we can use it for our purposes um or because at the time like you know obviously cancer cells do have a lot of potential but those cells are really bound to just replicate like there are just like yeah we just want to comp- you know make more of ourselves and then that causes basically a death to the organism where stem cells are different right they're the part of the system and uh, there's some places that they like stop holders to, to stop them in uh, going too crazy so um in a way i think it's maybe at this point like maybe a bit of lack of understanding in the author's like knowledge uh, about the whole system well, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's there's there's a there's a, um, a limit to the degree to which you're going to think through the the, the detailed consistency yeah. of this, <laughs> and we're kind of delving pretty. Uh, but the cancer, in a way, can be really uh, beneficial for Don Cal in a way because you can make those little, as I say, mini me's. Because, like, I mean, you know, you have Terra Thomas who can have like hair and teeth and you know, uh, mm-hmm. when the cancer. I mean, my. my my kind of the the thing that's a little bit inconsistent is the um like the fact they already seem to have this ability and the fact that they want an ability from cancer so it's it's still a little mysterious what exactly it is that they're getting yeah from the cancer to add to their repertoire because i think for the most part if they can do this stuff then they probably already have whatever it is yeah. that, that cancer was likely to give them yeah but uh yeah but there's enough ambiguity in the uh, in, in the way that it's uh, framed that I think it's uh, uh, you, you can get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let's maybe go back to the chapter. Um, where did we finish? Uh, ah, yes, about Akin um, putting like he does he's too old to get poisoned, and that obviously hmm. he could either contain it or remove it, and. Sabina told him that she understands, but she wasn't certain if she believes him. But it was uh, for Akin, it was crucial for her to understand, especially f- because she was so very close on hurting Akin and so very close to getting stung. You know, that made Sabina to withdraw, saying that she forgot and you know that he's still alien. And Akin says to her, and this is a quote from the book, don't forget, but don't hate me either. I never stung anyone and I don't ever want to. And the chapter ends with Akin asking her to help him learn, with the first question being, is that why do human babies put things in their mouths? That's a good question. Actually, I wanted to check it and I forgot to check why do babies psychologically stuff their things into their mouth. I think it's mostly because of I mean, I, growth I, teeth, right? Like, it's a lot of, like, when your teeth are growing and they're, like, biting on stuff, it's because, you know, like, it's itching and they're trying mm-hmm. to... Kind of itching. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I suppose just 
like, I mean, similar to Akeen's reasons, right? Curiosity yeah. and, and exploration. Yeah, and uh, I mean, to be fair, a lot of adults put all of, a lot of other things in their mouth they shouldn't have, and yet we do it. So, <laughs> and it's always curiosity. So, I guess that explanation is, suffices everything. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, human babies are. Uh, you know, completely useless at surviving on their own, right? Oh, so, <laughs> it doesn't matter too much if they put things in their mouth because they have to be supervised or they'll just end up dead. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but yeah, let's go to my chapter 21 prediction, I guess. Yeah. So I thought that, like, oh, they have nice, you know, starting nice relationships. So we're going to have more about Sabina and then Akin. Like, there's going to be another chapter about them. But no, it's 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 very, no, very really. brief chapter. Uh, yeah, very short. Uh, so yeah, in fact, actually, Akin made all of the humans his teachers. Um, you know, hmm. he told Tate what he was trying to do, to which Tate told him that it's good, but eventually he will need to learn things about the Onkali too. And basically, the whole short chapter depicts a conversation between them about Akin worrying about the Onkali and the humans, and the fact there should be human Akjai. Uh, and Akin asks Tate if she would want that to... Which Tate tells him that the a place to live and to have children, they would do anything for that. But each time when Akin asks her if she would want to go, she dodged the question. And that's when the chapter ends, basically. It's just this little mm. interaction between Akin and Tate on... And I think, um, I think we've seen a similar... Uh, structure before when when we've had kind of time jumps, right? A couple of short chapters that kind of give us a a very brief um, slice of time from points in the time yeah. jump, uh, and it kind of it, it like breaks up the um, the narrative, breaks up the flow of yeah. the, the the narrative, and and it kind of gives you the sense of accelerated time because you have these little like short chunks, but there's um, uh, uh, a certain liminality to it, right? Yeah. You have this this uh, change of frame, uh, so you, you know it helps add to the perception of of passage of time because you have you know two chapters, but actually uh, you know they're just short little ones. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, there have been several of those. Like just sort of, um, it often happens when like the action's finished. Like the whole like you know mm. build up of the action. In this case, it was like Nessie and her, and her like trying to mutilate the girls, and then basically when this whole has been resolved, it's like sort of time passes. Same with like Lilith, you know, like meeting with Paul Titus. There was an action. There was some you know, and then there was the resolution. Like some time has passed, and mm. you know, um, stuff like that. So. Although in this, I think we're getting a bit more kind of um, set up for some possible future tensions. Yes. Um, although in in the first book we had that kind of blind time jump where uh, like uh, you know a whole year passed by and we got nothing of it and then we kind of got uh, like teased in retrospect about what the what the contents of that year were from the way that uh, Lilith was now interacting yes. with Dion and Carl yeah. and so on. So it's a, a bit of a different uh, approach. But uh, that's true. That's yeah, true so because we've, we've some... we had the one year of her training in the forest before being uh, put mm -hmm. in a prison with the rest of the humans to wake up the humans. And in the meantime, there was mm -hmm. the observatory thing, right? Uh, the, 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 yes, was like yeah. they and, and they then... took her to that observatory deck so she could see the planet Earth from the mm. ship. Yes, yeah, but but we the kind of um, the the relationship between her and Nakanj and, and the the other Owen Carly was kind of. Uh, 
much more developed off screen. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, or off, off, not screen per se, but you know the equivalent thereof in a book form. <laughs> well, I would say screen, yes, yes, because in the way you imagine yeah, yeah. those when you read off, your imagination off creates the mental stage. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, something like that. Um, but yeah, so we have this this kind of. A, I suppose that the main thing from this is that uh, Akin has you know trusted Tate with the knowledge that he wants to like. Lobby the Oan Kali for a human actor. Yes. To be uh, honest, it's the first time to actually treat the humans as an equivalent, like equivalent level of species. Obviously, evolutionary, probably mm. we are not as far as the Oan Kali, obviously, but still mm. treating them, treating us as on equivalent sort of uh, pedestal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the the observation from Tate, I think, is interesting in that. Uh, she doesn't seem to have much confidence that uh, Akin will be able to persuade the rest of the Oankali to uh, undertake this this project. And uh, I mean, to be fair, it that, is that actually bothers Akin. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit of uh, you know, as I think mentioned earlier, Akin and like chapter nineteen when they were talking about like you know, mm-hmm. Oankali because of the genetic makeup of the humans they don't really treat them intelligent enough in a way to be able to make the those decision that uh would benefit the whole species i don't know um yeah i, mean, I think it's it's just uh, i think to a significant degree it's kind of a communications barrier right so they don't understand the way that the humans work right they're in the, the the nature of their intelligence is somewhat alien to them so they treat them as as lesser because they don't uh, quite get it. Yeah, right? it's, it's like when you're trying to when you're trying to communicate someone across a language barrier, you kind of have to revert to the basics, right? It's it's a similar kind of thing. So you can't get a, a, as full an appreciation for the uh, the intelligence of the other party you're dealing yeah. with because you've got a limited bandwidth channel of communication. Uh, Absolutely, but yeah, I guess um, let's go to the final chapter of this. Uh, um, episode the chapter 22 prediction yeah yeah so now i thought that you know akin is gonna continue to study human but you know as the end of the part two phoenix is coming uh so it is his time with them and i thought maybe hmm. in this chapter some of the onkali will appear or maybe even lilith herself um you know her, uh, arriving to to pick up her kid from um, mm-hmm. Tate and Gabe, and the rest of the humans. Okay, but yeah, it's still too early for that. It seems. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, not, not quite. Yeah, yeah, we still have the. Uh, it's one chapter left, right? Yes, I think in in this section. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, the reason why I thought about it be happen now because you know sometimes the two chapters like there's the, um like in the last book there was like a build up in the the second like the penultimate uh um chapter mm-hmm. and then then the last it was just like a resolution of the whole thing so i also thought there's gonna be like this like a build-up or like the mm-hmm. onkali appear and there's like oh shit like they're here for a keen and then okay, okay, there's yeah. some some so. action then there's some like i you know and then the next episode next sorry not episode next chapter there's uh, the final chapter there's mm-hmm. a resolution to this whole thing and you know some sort of going to the uh, back to the you know square one in a way like yeah yeah, yeah. M- makes uh, narrative sense okay but yeah mm-hmm. not yet 
Um, Not yet. So yeah, so chapter 22. Uh, the story starts uh, and continue, actually continues with um, Gabe taking Akin away from his cleaning job for a hike into the mountains. Um, Akin, you know, could see the volcano more clearly as he describes a breathing place, a kind of joint where great segments of Earth's crust came together. And as they were hiking, Akin could, you know, would collect some plants that he thought would taste best to, uh, to Gabe and introduce them to the man. In return, Gabe would tell him about the past, about the place he grew up in New York. He also told him about his acting career, you know, Gabe asked if he ever had any made-up stories, for example, about the three bears. But um, Akin would tell him that his mom would only tell him the true stories and also he didn't know what the bear is. Um, that angered uh, Gabe for a second, you know, for a split second, but he caught himself because mm. he sometimes forgets that, you know, some things are already gone and, like, the bear being like, already mm. extinct. Yeah, it's interesting, though, the, uh, the kind of response of anger to the fact that there are no longer bears. It, it's, uh, I think that might be a little bit... Um, I mean, it's unclear if the, the responsibility for the absence of bears lies with the Owen Carly or the humans for the nuclear war, right? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if, you, if the planet was so nuked to the, pl- to the point that, um, uh, you know, it took several uh, you know, centuries to, to recover, then I don't think... Yeah, it's probably the Yeah, humans. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm, I'm betting my money on the humans. Hmm. I'm wondering if Gabe is directing that anger towards... The humans or the Owen Yeah, that's the that's the, uh, though this is another type of question, and and I feel like it's mm. more of a at this point he it's like we've just talked this about this before. It's probably like trying to blame the put the blame on someone else, like on the on mm. the foreign or the, the 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 other ones, as I think you said. Yeah, that's like the yeah the blaming immigrants yeah. thing. It's the usual uh, the usual pattern, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, but yes, so that the same night Gabe gave Akin a show, he became an old man. Uh, Akin has never seen an old person because most of them were kept on the ship to protect them and keep them healthy. Gabe acted as an old man, a man whose daughters betrayed him. Um, That particular play he was doing was The King Lear by William Shakespeare. Mm. And sometimes the character would be sane, sometimes not, and that terrified Akin. He wanted to get up and run into the darkness, but at the same time he sat still, spellbound, unable to move or break his attention from Gabe. He couldn't understand much of what Gabe said. Well, it was an old English, I assume. But he could feel the emotions portrayed by Gabe. But it's, it's, it's not technically old English, right? I think uh, Elizabethan era English is still technically... I I mean, to be fair, like when I was when I came to UK and you know started learning properly English, and when I had to read Shakespeare, I was like, "What is this bloody magic in front of me?" Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's not actual. Like, there's a there's a specific linguistic definition of Old English that's like much more Germanic before Uh, the French stuff comes in. It's it's even harder to read than (laughs) than Shakespeare. Like, it is old in a non-technical sense, but it is not like Old English in the like. uh, in the technical sense of old English, uh, pre-modern <laughs> English. English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I also understand why he wouldn't understand because Shakespeare loved to create his own words, so a lot of words probably were not known to um, to Akin. I mean, there's that kind of uh, like you know Shakespeare invented words thing, but it's 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 not so much that he invented them; it's 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 the first place they were recorded in mm-hmm. text. Right? They were in common usage in speech. Otherwise, 
like it wouldn't really have worked, right? If <laughs> you just made up a bunch of words, no one would have understood what you were saying. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why you can tell that Richard hates Shakespeare. Um, so yes, <laughs> uh, going back. Uh, so as Akin couldn't understand, but he could understand the emotions portrayed by Gabe. Um, surprise, anger, betrayal, utter bewilderment, despair, madness. Uh, once it's finished, Gabe laughed to himself, you know, from the fact that he performed Leah to the three-year-old kid and the fact that he could remember it all. Um, mm. I can ask him if he ever did this to people Phoenix, Phoenix, but Gabe told him no, and not to ask why, because he doesn't know himself. Like, there are all the responsibilities that he needs to do, you know, scavenging, um, farming, and all of that. Um, I can, like, acting he scared him at first but he couldn't un- and he couldn't understand him but for him it was like the own kind of communication sharing feelings and emotions hmm. now this is a I think this is an interesting point right because the uh we discussed it before uh when akin was kind of like struggling to understand one of the the why people told stories so he was calling them lies uh, and he couldn't quite get it but he now seems to have uh, got a handle on why oh, humans tell stories on the functions of stories yes. in, in human culture. They have this function that is analogous to what the Oan Carly can achieve by their uh, like higher bandwidth communication, person to person, of things like uh, emotion and sensation yeah. that humans can't do directly, but have to do kind of through metaphors and. Uh, um... Yeah, yeah, kind of the the, the um, inspiring empathy in a, in a character who's is uh, portraying that mm-hmm. sensation. Right? Basically, a, Akin mm. is gonna be become Paul Atreides from the Dune. <laughs> in, uh, in the in, protagonist, in, in the sense, sense of the like being the leader of the like, um, you know, he understands, starts to under, starts to understand um, things that were missing. Um, between the humans and Onkali, okay, right, and then he's right. gonna lead them to, mm-hmm. to to you know to become the leader of uh, of the constructs and the Onkali and human connection. I'm telling you now, this okay, is my right. long term so prediction. Uh, the uh, resistor messiah. Basically, there the, we go. Christens Haderach. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Um, although uh, hopefully they won't do the the um, death squadrons <laughs> <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yes. We'll see. Uh, Who knows? Mm. Yes. No, no Fadaikin, thank you very much. To be fair, I mean, it's pretty close to the Dune, considering the fact that, I mean, the the ship is a basically a massive worm that eats everything, so... But it doesn't produce the spice. (laughs) Yeah, and and also the, the Bene Gesserit haven't been, like, seeding... The fact that there will be a messiah of, of like half Owen Kali, half. Well, uh, I mean, you say that, descent. but you no, know, in a way, I would say Kaguya is the messiah because he said he was like, to Lilith, you will not understand us, but sh- your children will. I mean, that is exactly just like basically I mean, his. Yeah, there is something over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see the parallels. Yeah, yeah. And they, yeah. It's Paul's also he's like half Mentat, half Bene Gesserit, isn't he? You know, bringing together the uh, the uh, male and the female capabilities. Basically, the, he has everything, like uh, all the possible, you know, good things that you know, powerful things that you know, Paul is just kind of, and in a way, I can also like part of human, 
part of Onkali. Mm-hmm. I think, although I say that, but I feel like the true messiah would be like the human Onkali Uloi. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. only an Uloi can control the body and the genetics and stuff like that. So I think that would be the true, true, like the final, the final um, level, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, we've break the tradition of male messiahs though, yeah. right now. It's time, so, now it's time for all our messiah. Got, got to have a male messiah. Can't can't have any uh, uh, non-male messiahs. That would be no. Uh, that would be bad. That's you know, that's not, not good. Uh, not patriarchal. Exactly. Enough, right? That's not good enough. <laughs> nobody would want to read that, and nobody should. <laughs> Please don't cut that away. I don't cut. I, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> right. So. Going back uh, to the chapter, the pair then um, lied down in the cleared area of some shack they found, and um, to you know to, to for sleep. And Akin asked, "What was this place?" To which Gabe told him, "Maybe it was some peasant's house, or maybe some old Incan dwelling." Oh, so this basically confirms that they are in South America. Um, he then mm-hmm. told him that who the Incas were and existing before the Europeans came. Um, he described that this area was always associated with them because that they were the native population. Um, it's interesting because Akin says, you know, there's not really saying to Gabe, like, there's not much really difference between you and Tate. Um, but like, because, uh, but Gabe is like, actually, we are Europeans, and whereas the other ones, they're like, you know, a bit different, um, natively, mm. you know, to the different region of the planet. Mm. The chapter then continues into the few days where Akin and Gabe were continuing exploring and finding other ruined dwellings. He never asked Gabe why was he taken on a long trip, and Gabe never really explained. Um, Akin insisted on walking most of the time, which made Gabe happy, <laughs> not have to carry to him, and uh, managed to keep up. Um, you know, Gabe would willingly eat the plants that Akin gave him, liked some of them enough um, to take them back from planting, and asking Akin what he could take back to grow was the most pleasing thing that he could do. That's what Onkali did, collect life, and that's what it felt doing. Akin would teach Gabe what he must do to keep them alive based on their genetic patterns while keeping the genetic memory and some cells of each plant for himself to share with the Uloi. Which is interesting, right? Because um, we've discussed this before about like the, what's the best you know, diet and stuff like that. So Akin basically could tell the same with the plant. Like, what do they need the most? What? But amino acids is one thing, yeah, but also they yeah, need a lot of like ions, like fo- you know, phosphate, ion, phosphate ions, and, and stuff like that. So, mm. and even um, uh, potentially you know other stuff from their ecology, yes. right? They might need uh, uh, know, other species to from their environment to be growing with them to to meet the uh, if, at least if they want to get you know naturally pollinated yep. or. Or uh, other stuff like that. Um, uh, certain soil bacteria sometimes, mm. and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yes, there, there are some like mm. uh, plants that uh, like they need the fungus on the roots to be able to digest, right? Um, the, whatever mm-hmm. the yeah. fungus re- secretes is what really fertilizes the plant. Yeah, lots of kind of uh, you know mutually interdependent uh, relationships yep. there. I mean, we, we we talked before about the. The Brazil tree. And all I was kind of stuff, waiting. Stuff I was and, waiting for you to yeah, mention. Yeah. That. I was just like, when is it going to be mentioned? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but like the, the same principle that applies there applies to many yeah. other things. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but it's a, yeah, I, I suppose it depends on on uh, Akin's ability to perceive those needs and also the possibility mm. of uh, artificially providing for some of those. Right. So I mean, 
to use the the canonical Brazil tree example, right? You, you don't necessarily need the agouti to crack open the uh, uh, the seed pod if you can do it with a hammer as a human. Yes. Uh, if you want to cultivate the trees. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, the chapter um, ends with Gabe remarking that Kin was the happiest he has ever seen him seen him so far. But I can only smile. You know, Gabe did not reciprocate the smile, but I can could tell that he made obvious effort not to. When they finally reached the back to camp few day, a uh, few days later, Gabe made, uh, yeah, sorry, um, except from book, Gabe met Tate with none of the odd anxiety showed when he had, when she had been out of the sight for a while. And that's where the chapter ends. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting little uh, note on the end there. That's uh, the Gabe's, Gabe's kind of, uh, reaction to to meeting tate i'm not quite sure how to interpret that it's i guess uh, maybe he never showed the same thing like you know because tate was doing the same thing as lilith you know the whole frustration with life and maybe Hmm. gabe never did that and so maybe um for them it was more of like yeah this whole in a way maybe gabe has just accepted the their fate in a way, right? Whereas, like, Lilith and Tate um, were just frustrated that they, you know, with the whole idea. Although that also doesn't sound, like, I correct, I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, it feels like it's something to do with their relationship dynamic. I'm not sure what exactly, but the the kind of him being anxious when she's out of his sight, that seems, I don't know, some, some possessive component or something. like. I'm not sure. Yeah, but it it's could a, be, but I don't know. Like, it also feels like a warrior, right? Like you worry about someone and uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it was planned, right? That, that they have to take, they, they need to, they need to take Akin maybe away from in case they don't Kali appear or something. Maybe it was just something pre-planned and you no, know, Tate was like, yeah, it's, it's fine type of thing whereas when tate mm. was leaving it wasn't really planned she was just like stand up leave for a few days and come back you know what i mean like lilith did uh, maybe maybe yeah it, it feels as though uh this experience whatever it was that that gabe just had was uh i don't know relaxing right yeah <laughs> it's uh, relieved some tension yeah. for him so he's less uh, uh yeah less nervous yeah. than uh, so who knows it's, it's a bit too ambiguous to 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 know, um, but yeah, I guess let's go to my chapter twenty three prediction. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the last part of the uh, last chapter of the book of the part two. So it must be the Onkali arriving. Like I, I I can't think like just you know like you end up the chapter and then suddenly there's no Onkali. Like has to has to be. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So you think you were just a, a chapter early? Yeah, with your, uh, your maybe I was prediction. chapter early, but I'm pretty. I I don't know. Like if Don Kali don't appear now, I'm like, okay, Akin has been religiously abandoned. Okay. Mm-hmm. So do, do you have uh, apart from the Don Kali appearing? Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, uh, any inkling about what how you think? Oh the, uh, boy. Uh, resistors will react. Uh, I mean, they have or, two guns. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it's. Don Kali could either like you know just appear out of nowhere without like the humans even realizing and just snatching Akin away, or mm-hmm. it'd be like oh hi guys we come in peace you have we give you a choice you can either come we are gonna take the kid anyway but you can come with us to have your own kids or you know whatever like mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know it's mm, the, I don't know the two guns and Gabe and Tate getting so emotionally attached to Akin 
there's bound to something drama and oh my god oh my dear god if Lilith appears there's definitely gonna be some bloodshed like that woman is is just a terminator in the human skin just she's gonna like tear through all of them <laughs> she's always very measured and controlled though right she's, <laughs> she's <laughs> yes she never really but, uh, she never gets into a fight that she can't uh, she doesn't think she's gonna she'll gonna well win, I mean yes but I can sort of imagine tell. her she's... like going up to the guy holding the gun and doing Hagrid in the Harry Potter thing just bending the rifle upwards <laughs> Yeah, I can kind of see that. <laughs> Just be like, try to shoot with this now, bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, okay, interesting. No, but yeah, I could certainly see the uh, the presence of Lilith being a potentially aggra- aggravating yeah. factor for the. So I'm uh, not certain, uh, but resistors. it could be. It could be. There's even gonna be a tension, obviously, because this lonely kid that looks like human, and um, but yeah, it's. Hmm. Don Kai, right? And, and what do you think about? Uh, what do you think about um, uh, what Akeen will want to do here, right? Because he's he now has his project of studying humans. Do do you think he'll uh, uh, feel he's got enough information, mm. at least to to go back and communicate with the the Onkali? So I don't know. Good question. I have no clue because you see um, the. Obviously, he's learning quite a lot, and you know that little um, encounter with Gabe when he acted to him was like you know probably more. If Akin is smart enough, he was like actually this was probably the most valuable experience he could have have um, with the humans. Mm. And of mm. course, he learned a lot about the humans, but like you know the whole culture and the whole idea of how humans function and their, their necessity. Obviously, the most important part about the human agi is there, but like. To fully understand humans, yeah, the time... I mean, he spent a year. A year is quite a long time. Especially, you know, like, Mm -hmm. when you spend time and you listen to people. So maybe he has collected enough information. But, you know, it... It's it's like the question you know like of science like you know is is it enough it's never not it's never enough like it's you can always mm-hmm. ask uh, ask ask more questions and learn more um, so not sure in here okay. maybe enough maybe just enough to be able to persuade few of them and then create sort of like a break that like a like a breakaway faction from the onkali saying yeah we should there should be human agi and then you know like suddenly as i said i can becoming the new polar trace like you know leading the the okay so the this is an interesting point the uh so do, do you think the the onkali will be receptive to the idea of a human agi uh, and because we've never really seen any significant internal strife, that's the thing. With them is that uh, you think this is a source of disagreement. That's the thing, or? like because we've never seen. Like we know that the Onkali came with the overall general conclusion that you no know, uh, about the trade or whatever in the first book, right? That they you know they have sort of like gathering where they all communicate in a way and make decision, right? But we don't really, have, we're never told exactly how it works. And we're never told how it looked like. So I don't know. But it feels like um, maybe there are some Onkali, especially those, for example, that, you know, like, like Nikanj, 
that were grown with humans from mm-hmm. like that, that you know they were with Lilith and you know from the almost like when they were like young and they've learned from you know maybe there are some more willing to how do you call um mm-hmm. to be on the side of the humans right that like that they they need that yeah yeah so enough among you have had uh close relationships with humans that the kind of uh deeper insights yeah. that Akeen can provide will will be uh, like useful and, and, and yes. interesting to them so they may be on his yes. side you know like in mm-hmm. a way yeah I mean you would if you think about it right you could literally with the genetic engineering like you know eugenics mm-hmm. is a thing right <laughs> you could like in with Don Kali's abilities like you could really if you don't so- like something the humans right you could make them maybe less aggressive don't know um too difficult topic to 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 discuss and i have not enough knowledge about to even begin hypothesizing how would you do it yeah it's a, it's a complex polygenic trait for those sorts of things right they're difficult to yeah to engineer so yeah. i but mm-hmm. i don't know like but if don carly would want to go the eugenics pathway you know i don't know if it's gonna work that well but I don't know, like, don't Kali have time? I mean, they live for f- flicking forever, so you could try several different, like, you yeah. know, islands of humans, just Agjai, and just try different things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose not, not technically Agjai if they're, like, they're, they'd still be... I mean, uh, the pure uh, humans, uh, basically. Some version of Dinso. But in a way, for the in terms of the book, I would say calling them human Agjai hits the, you know, fits it here, I would say. Yeah, well, I suppose it, it, like if if there's a subgroup that's being subject to genetic engineering by the Oankali, they're still not quite. They're not Akjai in the same way that the Oankali Akjai are Akjai. Yes, right? that's still that's correct. <laughs> they're still yes. kind of a version of Dinso because they're uh, you know some select subset of the population sure. according to the the pressure applied by the. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't know what do, what could they do, but we'll see. I mean, you know, the book is still uh, going, so. Who knows what's what's gonna happen? You know, it might be the next part of the book. It's gonna be like I don't know, years later, or maybe like um, Akin goes onto the ship, and um, because that's the name of the ship, right? Like the part three, um, is the, the actual name of the ship, right? I think so. Yeah, the ship is called. Gajtap, yeah, so right? uh, uh, maybe Akin yeah, will yeah. see Tino, and then a few years pass, and then. And you know, I can try, or maybe he's just persuasion trying to persuade on Kali or something. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, yeah. nice. One more little uh, content recommendation on the uh, difficulty of engineering polygenic uh-huh. traits, or, or uh, the, the nature of polygenic traits, and why that might be a tricky thing to engineer. I think would be so. That there's a book called uh, The Genetic Lottery by okay, uh, yeah. Catherine Page mm-hmm. Harden. Uh, which uh, came out pretty recently. Uh, it talks a lot about the kind of uh, genome-wide association studies, polygenic traits, um, and their uh, predictive value for, for fairly complex phenotypes. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep, I will definitely check it out as well. Yeah. Good Interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess that's it for today. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we are Xenothesis. You can find all the places we upload our podcast on xenothesis.com. I was Michael Klinka. I was Richard Acton. Goodbye. Bye-bye.